Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. So glad you came. My name is Scotty. Um, man, I tell you, um, Mike is, is one of my great friends, but he's also my pastor. Uh, how many of you know pastors need pastors? And we need people to encourage us and, and give us wisdom. And so he has been a constant source of advice and encouragement that strong foundational rock that I can lean on. And he and Anne have been such great friends to my wife, Amy and I, and have been there for us in some of the darkest moments of our life. They've helped us through parenting challenges and, and leading a growing church. And I'm just so incredibly grateful for him. And I, I know this about him. He deflects praise a lot. He's always telling people and pointing toward Jesus and all oh, no, it's somebody else. But can you do me a favor? Can we honor your pastor? Can we tell him how much we love him? Yes. Love you, man. So uh, my wife, Amy, is with me today. Uh, we're high school sweethearts. Uh, we grew up on the south side of Atlanta in Fayetteville and grew up uh, at New Hope in our, uh, in our high school and college days with Mike, and we both worked for the same youth pastor. Uh, the first time I ever heard the gospel preached uh, it was by Ike Reichert, who was one of the founding pastors of this church. I brought a picture of my family. I just want to show you guys. Uh, this is... Um, a picture at my son's wedding. Uh, he's standing there beside me, the 6'5", good-looking kid there. Uh, that's his uh, beautiful wife, Brittany. They actually met here at WAVE. Uh, they were college students in the ministry here. My son went to KSU. They met and fell in love and, and got married. That's my daughter there. She's a, a sophomore at the University of Arkansas. We love our kids. We're so proud of them. But let, let me introduce you to the best member of our family, a new member of our family. This is our little granddaughter, Collins Grace. Yes, I have become that person that I just carry around the pictures of the grandchild. How many of you are grandparents in the room? Okay, um, it, I, I didn't believe people at first, but grandkids are so much better than your regular kids. They're so much better. Don't kill your kids, better ones are coming. Oh. It's amazing. So uh, I love them. Um, my wife and I, as I said, we, we grew up on the south side of Atlanta. We met in high school. I became a Christian uh, in, in high school because a friend invited me to church. And that might be some of your story as well. And as I said, I walked into an event where, where Ike Riker was talking about what it looks like to follow Jesus. And uh, it, it, it opened up a door for me. And it, it changed the course of my life. Uh, uh, Hugh Kirby, who was our youth pastor, uh, poured his life into me, and Mike worked for him. Steve Roach, who's also on staff, worked for him, and we wouldn't be here without his influence in our lives and how he, he cared about us and developed us as young pastors. Um, my wife and I, after we got married, we did youth ministry, middle school to high school kids uh, around the southeast in churches in Florida and Georgia and Arkansas. And about 15 years ago, we moved to the Denver area, and we planted a church in a suburb of Denver called Castle Rock, and we love it. It's been incredibly challenging and hard and wonderful all at the same time. 91% uh, of the people who live in my community don't go to church anywhere ever. They don't go on Christmas or Easter uh, but the good news is there's no cultural Christians. Do you know what I mean by that? There's no casual Christians. Pe you know where people stand. 
They, they're not incredibly hostile to the things of faith. They, they've just never really thought about it. They're busy and they're like, that's great for you, but not for me. And so it takes a long time to build relationships and to, to meet people where they are and to help them take their next steps with Jesus. So we built a church a lot like North Star where we, we care for people and we teach the Bible and we serve our community. And by God's grace, Thousands of people are involved in our church now. We're, we've just built a building. We're building on a little bit more. and We're adding a second location. Jesus is at work. He is still drawing people to himself. That if you'll just meet people where they are and you'll just love them right there, uh, it's incredibly attractive what Jesus has to offer to people. And so I offer that to you today. So before we jump into the teaching today, let's pray together. Let's ask God to speak to us. It's amazing that in a room this size, with people from all different walks of life and all different backgrounds, that, that God has something unique and personal to say to every person. Some of you go to church every single week. Some of you, this is brand new for you, you're just taking your first steps. Maybe a friend invited you today. Maybe you're watching online. And if you're open to hearing from God today, I just wanna invite you to pray this simple prayer. We pray it every week in our church, in every service. Just a simple, honest prayer between you and God, just quietly between you and God, something like this. God, would you please speak to me today? Because I'm listening. And then pray for somebody else. Maybe somebody you came to church with today, they're in your family, their friend, roommate, Cute girl, you wanna get her number later. Just a simple prayer for her, something like this. God, please talk to this person today. Give them the faith and the courage to respond to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Why don't you turn to somebody and say, you look good today, you look amazing. I'm so glad you came to church. All right, turn to the person that you ignored, your second choice, and then tell them, it looks like you lost weight. Looks like you lost weight over Thanksgiving. Amy and I flew in yesterday. Airport was busy. We landed. We stopped by the battery and watched the Georgia-Georgia Tech game. I'm a huge Georgia Bulldog fan. Any Georgia Bulldogs? I never get to talk about this in Colorado because college football is not a big deal in Colorado. The Broncos are a big deal normally. Uh, but, uh, but Mike, your pastor, he loves Georgia Tech. Did you guys know that? He took, he took the verse seriously, the last shall be first. He loves those losers. He's with them till the end. So I came today to talk about one simple idea that that I've been wrestling with and we've been wrestling with at our church. It's a simple idea of this question, what, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? I just have conversations with people all the time that are some form of this question. Like, is my life, does it really count? Is it making a difference? Am I, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is, is this all there is? Like I'm very busy and I'm very distracted and I have a lot going on, but is this, is this what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? 
Maybe you're a college student here and you're, you're, you're vassaling back and forth between different majors and you're like, what, what am I supposed to really concentrate on? I talk to lots of young adults who are just out of college, who are trying different jobs, and they're like, what, what am I supposed to do with my life? Maybe you're a young mom here and you, you have degrees or advanced degrees, and right now you have little ones and you're caring for them and you're changing diapers and you're on feeding schedules and it's, it's a really great day if you got a shower and, and you're, you're looking at this season of your life and you're like, is this, is this it? Is this, I went to school for all that and I'm paying the debt and all those things and is this what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? Maybe you have climbed the ladder and you have accomplished and you've built a business or, and everybody looks in from the outside and you... You seem incredibly successful, but on the inside, you're, you're thinking to yourself, is, is this it? Is this what I was supposed to do with my life? Maybe you're just carrying around this pressure and tension of, I look at everybody else and it seems like they have it figured out, but I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm busy, but I just don't know, just don't know if I'm making a difference. Anybody know what I'm talking about. Anybody felt like that? We live in this generation right now where it's so easy to compare our lives with other people's lives. Like we, we just pull up social media and we compare our life with their highlight reel and we think, man, they, ha- they have everything, but what about what's going on with me? This new term I just discovered is called purpose anxiety. It's where therapists are diagnosing people who are stuck stranded with this anxiety because they don't know what their purpose is. So many young adults, it could be the the diagnosis for a generation of what am I supposed to do with this one and glorious life? And we we think it's supposed to be massive and huge. In fact, I I read this quote not too long ago that, uh, that simply says, excuse me, simply begins to talk about that I'm, I'm doing these things with my life and we're intoxicated with a desire to be known and recognized, celebrated, appreciated, respected, and those are all important things. We crave being a somebody to do notable things, to achieve our dreams, to gain the admiration of others, to be something, to be anything other than ordinary. But what if... What if that's exactly where we find our purpose? Is in the, come on, gloriously ordinary. I came today to talk to you about what does it look like to live a gloriously ordinary life. I hope that it sets so many of us free. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew. The verses will be on the big giant screens to my left and right as well. They're there on your notes. I got a I got a new Bible, everybody, and it's got font big enough to see from space, (laughs) but I still have to wear these glasses. Is anybody else in the glasses place? Anybody else at a restaurant holding the menu out, and you've got your light on the phone, and your kids are like, Dad, come on. Dad, stop it. You're embarrassing us. Matthew chapter 25, a very familiar story, verse number 14 If you've been around church, you've probably heard this story. It says, again, the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey 
who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one, each according to his own ability. Now let's stop there for just a moment. Maybe you've heard this story before or maybe you're new to church. And Jesus is telling a parable or a story that has a meaning or a purpose behind it. And he says the kingdom of God is like this. It's like a master, and the master represents God, right? And he says he has these servants, and in this story there are three servants, and he, he gives to one of those servants five bags of gold or five talents of gold. To another, he gives two, and to another, he gives one. And it says each according to his own ability. Now, what happens right after this is that the master leaves. He's entrusted his wealth with these people. Now, the talent, the gold, it represents what God has put into our hands. And, and the, the guy with five bags of gold, he puts it to work right away. He goes and he invests it. And it says he goes to work and he works really, really hard and he doubles that money. So he's got five more bags of gold, five more talents of gold. The guy with the two bags does the same thing. Puts it to work, invests it, uses all he can with all of his ingenuity and creativity and comes up with Two more bags. The guy who has the one bag of gold, what does he do? Do you, know, you remember the story? He goes and he buries it. He doesn't do anything with it. Well, then the master returns. And when the master returns, he, he greets the man with the five bags of gold. And the guy with the five bags of gold says, hey, I, I went to work. What you put into my hands, I, I invested. I did something with that. And now I've, I've doubled that money here. And the master says to him, what? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've done amazing. I'm so proud of you. Enter into your master's happiness. Guy with two bags of gold comes back. And this is what it says. It says, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me. That's a big word right there. Entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Now notice he says the exact same thing to the guy with two bags of gold that he says to the guy with five bags of gold. He says, what was placed in your hands, you did something with that. You took advantage of what I have entrusted to you. Now the rest of the story tells what happens with the guy with the one bag of gold, but I wanna concentrate today on the guy with two bags of gold. I've always identified with this guy. I've always identified with this guy because I don't think I'm a five bag guy. Now there are a lot of you in here who probably are the five talent person. Like you're amazing. Like you do more early in the morning before I get up than I do all day. I know, you're amazing. You're, you're a young lady who, you, you just, you've got life on lock. You're in Pilates and yoga, and you just did your 14th half marathon of the year. I get it. PTO president, you can do everything. Great. We don't like you. Let's talk to the two bags people. He doesn't bury it. He does something with it. So I want to I give us three, three words today that I think can be Legs on the stool that we stand to reach our purpose. Three words that we can hold on to to help us discover 
our purpose in life, to lean in to that. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down a couple of things today. If you're a note-taking kind of person, write some things down. If you're not, go ahead and write some things down because it's easier to get into heaven if you have notes from North Star. <laughs> Just kidding, that's not true at all, but I don't work here and you can't fire me. So first word today is the word identity. Write it down, identity. Identity is who you are. It's not what you do, it's who you are. It's the first leg on the stool that we reach for our purpose. Identity says, this is who you are no matter what. Now I want you to notice in the verse, it says that a master speaks to his servants. In verse number 14, it says this man is going on a journey and he calls his servants and he entrusted his wealth to them. They know their relationship. There's a master and a servant and until we come to the place in our lives where we see ourselves as servants of God, we will always miss our purpose. We have to settle that in our minds. But if the master-servant thing is a little bit challenging for you, maybe rubs you the wrong way, uh, what about father and son or father and child? That we have an identity, we have a relationship with our heavenly father. You know, there's only two places in the gospels that tell us about what God says to Jesus. Now, we, there's lots of prayers recorded where Jesus is speaking to God, but there's two places in the gospel where we get to hear God the Father speak to the Son, and both times they're almost identical. In Matthew chapter three, verse 17, it's right after the baptism of Jesus, before he starts his ministry, before he ever does a miracle, before he ever teaches a sermon, before he dies on the cross, God the Father speaks in verse 17, to Jesus, a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. Come on, that, that's an amazing thought. That God speaks to his son and he says, I love you. You're my son and I'm so proud of you. If you're a parent in this room, by the way, every kid wants to hear this over and over and over again. You're mine and I love you and I'm so proud of you. Notice again Jesus is 30 years old. He's not started his public ministry. He's been living in obscurity. No one knows his name. In fact, when he comes on the scene publicly, people are like, isn't this Joseph and Mary's kid? Like, where did he come from? Sometimes you feel like you're living in obscurity, but before he did anything, God saw him and knows him and is proud of him. I don't know about you, but when I read a verse like this, I get conceptually, like I am a child of God. I get that God loves me because he's supposed to love everybody. But it's the I'm pleased with you that I sometimes have a challenge with. Somewhere in my makeup or my background or my family history, I thought I've got to cross this finish line or climb this mountain or achieve this thing to have the applause of God. Yeah, but before Jesus even gets started, he says, no, 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 we don't do things to get the love of God. We already have it. And if you don't settle that in your identity, you will always be unsettled. So we do things because God loves us. We, we chase our purpose and dreams because before Jesus did anything, he already had the Father's love and acceptance. When my daughter, who's now a sophomore in college and 19, uh, I love her so much. She is amazing. She's a very talkative young lady. Anybody have talkative young ladies at your home? Uh, 
People would ask us when she went to college, do you miss her? And I'm like, we haven't really had a chance yet because we talk to her seven to nine times a day. <laughs> hey, Dad, what's going on? I'm just walking. I just thought I'd call you and see what's going on. Oh, I just saw a bird. You know, it's just <laughs> every detail. And I love it. I love being the dad of a daughter because I know when I get old, she'll take care of me, right? Sons will abandon you like, hey, hope that works out for you. I'm living with my daughter. Uh, she's got a little boyfriend right now. First, first boyfriend right now. Hairy-legged. Ugh. I don't even know his name. I'm not even going to get his name until he walks down the aisle. And then I'm going to be like, hey, it's too late. It's like, you know, so you're stuck with us. I don't know why I started saying that. The, <laughs> just, I'm just having my own therapy session with you guys here this morning. When she was a little girl, I used to go into her room and every night I'd say little prayers with her and then I would say, you know what? You're my favorite little girly in the whole wide worldly. Every night, forever. And then I'd play this little game with her like, I'm gonna tell you something new tonight. And she goes, I know what you're gonna say. I know what you're gonna say, which is exactly what I wanted. I wanted her to know what I was gonna say. That no matter what, I know my dad loves me and he's proud of me because I was trying to connect that to the heart of God. You don't have to do anything for dad to love you. You don't have to do anything to get my approval. If we live out of that, something gets settled in us. Second thing, the second word is the word calling. It's what you were designed to do best. Like this has to do with your past. It has to do with your pain. It has to do with your gifts, both natural and spiritual. It's just your wiring. It's how you're wired up that no matter what, you walk into a room and you carry some things with you. You just see the world in a certain way, and that rarely changes. Like God has crafted you like that. Some of you, you love hospitality. Like this is your favorite time of the year because people are coming over and you're cooking and you're, you're just getting ready for everybody to come into your home and you just love it. You just want everybody to eat and be stuffed and feel great. Some of you if no one ever came to your house again, you'd be the happiest person in the world. <laughs> when the doorbell rings, you just like hit the deck. You're like, don't answer the door. Some of you are numbers people. Like you just, you, you dream in spreadsheets. You've never had an overdraft. You know your entire financial history. Like you just think like that. Some of you don't know where your bank is, right? You're just like, I. Like if, yeah, if she ever leaves, I don't even, I have no idea where anything is. Some of you are leaders and you're just wired up that way. You think in a certain way where you walk into every environment and you think, I can make this better. It's not like arrogance, it's just how you see the world. I could get a team together and I could work on some things. That's, that's how God has crafted you. And you don't need to shy away from those things. There's an identity and there's a calling. But I want to spend the remainder of our time talking about this one specific idea. And that's your assignment. Your assignment is where you live out your calling. Your assignment is what's right in front of you. And I meet so many people who are constantly comparing their purpose to someone else and they live unsettled and dissatisfied. I want you to remember here in the story that there are three servants. One, the master chooses to hand an assignment to of 
five talents or five bags of gold. And then another guy gets two and another guy gets one. And I don't know about you, but as the two talent guy, so often my eyes get focused on the one who has five and I'm like, what? I know Larry. Like, why did Larry get five? I, I'm with Larry a lot. I think I'm better at this than him. I don't understand why things seem to be going better for Larry. And, and I lose sight of what, come on, is right here in my hands. Um, if you know this story, he hand, we, we translated these five bags of gold, but it's the word talent, which is a, a measurement of money. How many of you have heard that before? And so the guy who has two bags of gold, if you were to quantify that in today's numbers, it would be about $6.8 million. As Mike says, is that a lot of money? Yes or no? Is that a lot of money? If that's not a lot of money to you, I'm trying to build a building in Colorado. And I would love... <laughs> to chat with you after the service. God will bless you. Um, you see, so many times, this is where I find myself in the story, I, I minimize the moment. Don't minimize your moment. Don't minimize what's right here in front of you by fixating on what somebody else has, by what somebody else's purpose or assignment is. Because we can minimize the fact that our master has placed something incredibly valuable in our hands. And so what does he do? He, he goes right to work with that. He takes that and he, he invests it. He puts it right where, where he thinks he needs to, to, to be obedient and faithful to his master. He puts, he puts it to work. So here's the question. This is, this is, what, I, this is, this is what I came to ask you today is, What's, what's in your hand right now? So many times, what have you been handed? So many times we think purpose, look at me, we think purpose is out here, some mirage out in the future. And listen, listen, and God is saying it's right here in front of you. You're living in your purpose. You're right now in your assignment. You might be carrying caring for an aging parent, and it's hard. It's challenging, it can be inconvenient, but that's your assignment. You might have little toddlers running around and you think, will I ever go back to work? Or, well, but right now in this moment is your assignment. And you'll never have another focused moment like this to invest in those young kids. Right now, you might be dealing with something that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. Like you might be going through a divorce that you didn't choose. You might be dealing with the death of a loved one. But it's, it's what's right here in front of you. And we can miss God's purpose for our life by being fixated on what's happening somewhere else or sometime down the road or in the future instead of being extraordinarily faithful to this moment. This is the moment that God is actually using to develop you into the person that he wants you to be. I can promise you this, all of your future blessings are dependent upon your present obedience. All, all of what's happening in the future, all of the doors that God will open is how faithful you are in this moment. 
Notice again that when the master comes, he's just as pleased with the one who has two bags as he is with the one who has five. Why? Because he was faithful. So whether you build fences or you're in construction, you're a teacher, a coach, a stay-at-home mom, you're leading a multinational corporation, you just have to look and go, what's in my hand right now and will I be faithful with that? Because that's all, come on, that's all God's asking you to do. That we'll get to the end of our lives and he'll say, you, you did what you were supposed to do because you handled what was right, come on, right in front of you. Now, there are, I'm not saying that you should settle. Like I have dreams. I'm, I'm passionate about things. I'm not saying you should settle. And you could go, well, I'm just gonna give up. I'm, I'm not saying that. I am saying, though, that God wants you to be settled. I am saying that sometimes in our chasing of aspirations, we miss out on the exact thing that God wants to do right in front of us. If you are a young adult, maybe you're in the last years of college or you've just entered the workforce so many times, we can be frustrated because we think, is this it? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this the right job? Is this the right career? Did I choose the right major? Do I have regrets? I can promise you this. Every, everything that's coming down the road for you will be affected by how faithfully you execute the task and assignment God has for you right now. So if you're making copies, make great copies. Like be the best copy maker in the world. Like hopefully they'll have to hire three people to make copies after you leave because you were so amazing at making copies. Show up, hustle, be hungry. This guy doubles the money. Anybody tried to double your money recently? It's not easy. He has to invest. He doesn't settle, but he is settled. God has entrusted this to me. I'll do my absolute best today, and then I'll go home and take a nap. I hope this sets some of you free today. Some of you are in assignments right now, and they're for nows. Write that down. They're, they're for nows. Like this is, this is the assignment I have, and it won't be forever, but I'm gonna be faithful to it. And some things are forevers. Like I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna chase this for the rest of my life. I'm gonna be a husband or a father or I'm gonna invest in my community. I'm gonna dig in. I'm gonna do the absolute best with the mundane moments of life. I have found that it is the, uh, that it is the small things that nobody sees that result in the kinds of lives that everybody wants. Have you seen this? Like faithfulness behind the scenes, the stuff that's just not glamorous, of stepping forward and, and investing in the right now moment that grows into something amazing. If, if I was to come to each and every one of you, if we had just a moment, and I was to ask you, hey, tell me about, tell me about one or two people in your life that have made them the biggest impact. Think about that for just a moment. 
one or two people that have made the biggest impact in your life. Now, it could be, of course, your parents. But outside of that, maybe it was a a grandparent, a neighbor, a coach, a pastor, a teacher. And I was to say, now, now tell us a little bit about that person. You'd start telling me about that person and you and you say, well, they did this and they invested in me and they showed up and they believed in me. And, and then I was, I was like, put the microphone in your face and I'm like, tell us, tell us their name. And you'd say, say their name. And guess what? Nobody in here would know their name because they're not famous, they're not celebrities, they're not on a stage. They're just servants. They're just people that God had put into your life to be heroes and mentors. When I was 17 years old, I was on this little bus and I was going to this mission project and this enormous man named Hugh Kirby, we called him Huge Kirby. He was bald and he, he talked in a whisper. He was just massive but he talked like this. And he said, tell me your story. And so I started telling him about what was going on in my life and, and he put his big, Paul, his huge hand on my shoulder, and he said, well, come on, go with me, and I'll use you and abuse you. And I thought, that is a weird thing to say (laughs) to a kid. (laughs) What he meant was, come follow me, and I'll show you how to follow Jesus. I'll invest in you. For the next four years, I sat by him and watched him and saw him interact with his family and laid sod and built a deck. And that was the abusing part. But, uh, and most of you wouldn't know him if he walked in the room. But what he was saying is, I believe in you. And I don't know if anybody ever said that in that way to me. And he changed my life forever. I am only standing here because some guy you never heard of said, come on, follow me. And all of us have people like that. Guess what? Come on. You can be that for somebody else. You know how uh, Justin Timberlake brought sexy back? Come on, we're in church. You, you, you don't have to pretend I'm on a mission to bring steady back. Consistent. Just show up. Be faithful. Nobody knows our name, like anonymous, obscurity. Just faithfully following Jesus for God and for the people we love. So if you're a house cleaner, stay-at-home mom, leading a Fortune 500 company, What's in your hand? What if your purpose is found in the gloriously ordinary of every day? That you can stop feeling guilty about having some huge grand scheme that that God will be just as excited and just as thrilled and just as proud of you for being faithful for the simple assignment. Come on, that he's put in your hand. I wanna close with this verse. 1 Thessalonians 4.11 It's a powerful and convicting verse. 
He says, and make it your ambition to live a quiet life. Somewhere we forgot that. Many of us would have to delete our entire social media platforms to start doing that. You should mind your own business. When people start getting on to you, just say, mind your own business. I'm just quoting scripture to you. You should mind your own business and come on, work with your hands. Just as we told you. What is that? Work with your hands. Work with what you got. Work with what's in your hands. Work with what God has given you, what your assignment is. So that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. And every time the Bible uses the word outsiders, it's talking about people who are far from God. What if the people in your neighborhood, at your office, they just saw you show up every day and live a quiet, simple life of faithfulness, and they said there's something different about him. There's something different about her. They're striving, but they're settled because they are living an ordinary life, but it is gloriously ordinary. God can use that. Let's pray together. Maybe you're here today and you've felt some pressure, some guilt. You've looked at your life and you've thought, does it really matter? Let me tell you, friend, if you take the assignment God's given you and you do your absolute best with it, it matters. You'll never know what your words, your deeds, your faithfulness will mean to somebody else. So why don't you just say quietly to God, God, I want to do the best with what's in my hand. I want to live an ordinary life, but a gloriously ordinary life. Because what I'm doing, I'm doing for you. Maybe you're here today and you you came with a friend or you've you've been attending church for a while or you're watching online and you realize you... What you need more than anything is a relationship with God. You need to start your journey with Jesus. And if that's you today, I just want to invite you to maybe say a simple prayer, something like this. Just say, Jesus, I I need you. I'm ready to get started. And the best way I know how, I surrender my life to you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and rose from the grave. Please come into my life. Forgive me. And help me to start following you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.